Hi, you're listening to Bromler and DCFM, Ireland's biggest and best student radio station. I'm Nick Craven, Head of Arts on DCFM, and we have so much exciting arts content coming up for you today on the show. First, let's listen to this. It's often the case when naming out a top five films list that our little country gets overlooked. With the UK and USA churning out hundreds of films a year between them, one can see how Ireland's films will get lost in the mix. But in the last 10 years, Ireland has produced some films that have made waves all over the world. Here are my five must-see Irish films. At number five, we have You're Ugly 2, released in 2015 and starring Lauren Kinsella and Aidan Gillen. Directed by Mark Noonan, this film tells the tale of Stacy and her uncle Will, brought together to live in the Irish Midlands after Stacy's mother dies. This pairing of characters alone makes this film a worthwhile watch, and while it is classed as a drama, the classic Irish comedy spills from the scenes of this film. It won Best Irish Feature at the Galway Film Flat in 2015, and it's easy to see why. At number four, we have The Stag, released in 2013 and directed by John Butler. The Stag tells the story of a group of males that embark on a stag party out in the wilderness to celebrate one of their group getting married. Throw in a terrifying brother-in-law, a secret of the deepest dark in nature, and some soft drugs, and you've got yourself a stellar film. A killer soundtrack featuring the likes of Secret by the De Laurentos, The Rocky Road to Dublin, and On Raglan Road adds to this film, as does the hilarious lineup of Irish talent, including Amy Huberman, Andrew Scott, and Brian Gleeson. This film has several laugh-out-loud moments and is ideal for a night in if you're looking for something easy to watch. At number three, we have The Flag a 2016 release directed by Declan Rex. It stars Pat Short as a builder living in London who, upon finding out that his grandfather raised the Irish flag at the GPO in 1916, takes it upon himself to steal the flag back from the British Army barracks. Hilarity ensues and the Irish audience will particularly enjoy Short and his typical Irish nature. Nothing really phases him and the Paddy stereotype is hammed up to a new level. As with most films, a love interest is thrown in, and despite the overall comedic nature of the film, it does tug at the heartstrings in places. This film was shown on RTE at Christmas, and it fitted the season perfectly. At number two, we have Brooklyn, released in 2015, directed by John Crowley, and starring Saoirse Ronan. Brooklyn is a film that made an impact not only in Ireland, but in the UK and USA also, resulting in two Oscar nominations, one for Best Actress and one for Best Motion Picture. The film tells the story of Ailish, a young Irish girl who emigrates to America in search of a better life for herself. Tragedy strikes back at home and Ailish finds herself caught between her two greatest loves, Ireland and America. This film resonates with so many because of the history of emigration in Ireland and the audience weeps with Ailish when she receives a letter from home and homesickness envelops her. An absolute must-see, if only for Ronan's acting ability. And finally, at number one, we have Sing Street, directed by John Carney and starring Ferdia Pilo Walsh. Set in 1980s Dublin, this film portrays Connor, a young boy who, in a bid to impress a girl, asks her to be in a music video for his band. The only problem is, he doesn't have a band. Another film with a belter of a soundtrack, both the songs from the 80s, including Stay Clean by Motorhead and In Between Days by The Cure, and also the original songs written by the band themselves, are absolutely fantastic. Favourites include Drive It Like You Stole It and Brown Shoes. Similar to Brooklyn, this film resonates with a lot of Irish people, particularly those who attend in Christian Brothers schools. The film ends with the tagline, For Brothers Everywhere, an almost ridiculously perfect note to end it on. If you do one thing this weekend, watch this film. So that is my five must-see Irish films. Watch them for yourself and see what you think. 
Jack Quinn is an 18-year-old Irish dancer from Dublin. He started dancing at the tender age of six and has won seven world championships, including the 2016 championships in Glasgow. I caught up with Jack over the week to talk about his recent tour in China with Riverdance. So Jack, how are you? I'm fantastic, how are you? Thanks so much for doing this interview with me today. Oh, no worries. Um, We caught you on, you only have a two-week break at home. Yeah, just two weeks at home now before I head off to America for four months. Yeah, so, so tell us what you've been doing for the past while. So for the past ten weeks, I've been in China with Riverdance. Yeah. So we just completed our ten-week tour uh, two weeks ago. Um, and yeah, I had a really, really good time. And okay, so tell me about, like, when did you start dancing and what was it that made you decide to start? Um, so I started dancing when I was six years of age, my dancing teacher came and taught in my primary school during school as part of the PE program so it just kind of went from there she kind of saw me dancing and that I really loved it and she rang up my mom and then since then I've been dancing away and like what's your favorite aspect of dancing in general like uh, is it a social aspect or just doing it itself or is it just kind of um, a mix of everything like I think it's definitely a mix of everything like nothing beats being on stage yeah and um, but also, like, the great friends I've made over the years in dancing and that I continue to make the more I yeah. meet different people through different elements of dancing. And um, do you ever find, like, it's really hard to commit yourself? Because obviously, like, you have really... Like, you're doing it professionally now, so you obviously have really intense rehearsals and it's a lot of commitment. Like, do you find it hard to commit yourself or is it that you just are really passionate about it so it's not an effort? Or is there times when you're like, oh, I'd love to just take the night off? I mean, there are some nights where you're wrecked after maybe, say, you've done eight, maybe nine shows that week, and you just, you would love maybe two days off just yourself yeah. to like, gather yourself, but at the end of the day, you're there because you love it. And yeah, like you said, you miss I wouldn't, it now. Exactly. After two weeks. After two yeah. weeks of being off, I'm just dying to get yeah, back on stage that, and yeah. seeing all my friends and stuff like that. Before going to China, Jack spent the summer working with Riverdance in the Gaty Theatre in Dublin. Jack talks about his experience in the Gaty and how he got the part. So I started with Riverdance's other show, Heartbeat of Home. So that, that was when I was 17 and I went to China for six weeks. So then I obviously had to come back and do my leave insert and that led to... As you do. As you do, as yeah. You know. Do. So that just led to this summer they were stuck for a boy and I was just asked, could I come in and train in? Like, do you think Irish dancing, like obviously it's, a huge part of Irish culture and always has been but like do you think it's appreciated enough in like modern day Ireland or do you think it's um, um, doesn't get the recognition it deserves I think Riverdance has definitely helped and all yeah. the different shows like Riverdance and Lord of the kind Dance of have definitely shown and brought it to a platform yeah. that so people could see um, how much hard work we put in and how much, like how important it is with, with Irish culture regards to Irish culture culture um, but I think, um, I think people only see when it comes to the competitive side that there's the wigs and the costume and the tan and the makeup for the girls, but there is so much more to it. Yeah. It's so it's so much deeper than that. And like that's such a minor detail. It is. Thing, it is. Yeah. And it, at the end of the day, as crazy as it might seem, it is 
a performance at the end of the day and there's always going to be makeup and there's always going to be elaborate people who take it yeah. far uh, too far crazy and dance mom exactly there's a crazy dance mom in every type of sport regardless it could be swimming diving whatever it is running have you met a lot of crazy Irish dance moms in your life um I've met you don't one or, I'm not going to out any crazy dance mom but uh, I've met a few over the year but it's usually a parent that has more interest in their child doing well than the child does themselves. So, yeah. but usually they'll just dancers burn out and don't make it to past the age of sixteen with dancing. So, yeah. and it's kind of sad to see because then they don't get to enjoy the professional aspect of doing a show and stuff like that. Like it makes sense what you said that I know a lot of people as well. Like their parents would try to get them into playing instruments or doing different things. And I think if you don't make the decision yourself, like you're never going to be motivated. You have to really want it. Definitely, and it's always come from me. It's never, yeah. it was never my mom that said, you have to go and practice your dancing now. I was always, I wanted to practice, and it was for myself, yeah. and it was never for anyone else. In November of 2016, Jack took part in his last ever fetch, marking the end of his competitive career as he moved on to being a professional dancer. But was it hard for Jack to move on from this world of competitive dancing? I think it came to a gradual end, like, over, like, the year of my leaving cert, it was just... It was tough trying to balance out both and then I went straight into the 80s during the summer and I had no competition so I was kind of, I got to enjoy that more and then I think that just made me realise that I was happy to finish up there yeah. and it wasn't, I wasn't like, just like, oh I'm just going to drop everything for the show, like I, I was happy enough myself yeah. to finish. Well Jack, thanks so much for talking to us, best of luck in America. Thank you very much. Can't wait to hear all about it. No problem oh, at all. Trust me, I'll tell you all the stories when I get back. A huge thanks to Jack for a great interview and his man Pam for some fantastic clips of tea. We wish Jack the best in his future endeavours and expect only great things. guys welcome back to barometer i'm here with morgan helen elsa and adam i'm going to talk about what's been going on in the world i hear that morgan went to go interview tim chadwick how was that that was good he is an up-and-coming singer songwriter from dublin ireland i guess we're in ireland sorry <laughs> um uh he has this is his second single he just released which is called dreamer and so we chatted a little bit about that um it's been getting quite good it's been received really really well um it's been Joe.ie, um, Song of the Day. It's been in the Irish Times. And then last night, he just did a performance at for the Joe.ie uh, sessions. And I think this might have been the first Joe.ie sessions, at least in Dublin. So that's very exciting that they gave him the first gig for that. So he has a lot to look forward to in the future, I think. Wow. Okay, so we're going to play the interview for you here, guys. Hi, I'm Morgan Kelly, and I'm here with DCU FM. I'm joined here with Tim Chadwick, who is a singer-songwriter. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Good. Pretty good. Good, good. So you've had a lot going on. You recently just released your new single, Dreamer. Yeah. Um, And then you were just on tour in the UK, and previously to that, you were there in Ireland touring. Yeah, yeah. So It's been busy, yeah. It's been going well. Um, so the single came out uh, two weeks ago, and in between that, yeah, I was in Brighton, and I was in, UK, uh, I was in London. So I was supporting another Irish uh, amazing talent called Lyra, and she's over there, and that was like an, you know an important show for her. So she invited me over, and before that I was in Whelan's and in Cork supporting her as well. So it's been it's been a busy lead up and a busy uh, last few weeks. Yeah. yeah, sounds like it. 
Um, so with your new single release, how, like, just tell me a little bit about it. It's called Dreamers. Like, mm-hmm. is there a story behind it? Uh, yeah, so this is kind of the first song in a bunch of four songs that I wrote. And um, it was kind of based on a conversation I had with my parents. And they were like, you know, you should become an accountant or you should, like, you know, go into a job that's, like, you know, <laughs> secure. And I was like, I was like, one, I'm really bad at maths. And I was like, <laughs> two, I can't, you know, commit to that. And, yeah, it kind of came out that they were like, you know, you kind of have to keep your head out of the clouds and, like, you know, settle down and, like, you know, get into something that's, like, secure. And so the song, I guess, is kind of a a rebellion, I guess, to people's expectations of yourself um, and that you shouldn't have to, you know, fall into a certain kind of cookie-cutter lifestyle of what people want for you. And, um, and that's where the song came from. So it's just the biggest kind of, like, like, you know, theme of it coming out of it is, um, you know, you should never live for someone else. She lived for yourself. It's been getting a lot of buzz recently. It was uh, in the Irish Times as mm. one of the songs to watch out, and mm. it was Joey.ie's song of the day, I think, not even a week ago, this past Friday. Yeah. It's really exciting. Yeah, really exciting. I was lucky enough to, um, my first single as well, got the got the same kind of, you know, pickup, and, um, you know, the exposure that has is incredible, and, like, to be in the Irish Times is um, it's huge, and, like, something that I'm, like, honestly really, really, really proud of. Um, and I kind of like growing up, you know, I see, I've seen all these people who I've admired in there and like, you know, and I'm like, oh, I wonder if I could ever get in there. And um, yeah, now it's happening and it's, it's insane. Yeah, Insanely it's good. so exciting. Yeah, really exciting. So you were at Electric Picnic and now you've been around the UK and a little bit in Ireland again. Um, what has been your favorite performance thus far? Um, that's actually a tough one because so Electric Picnic was you know huge mm-hmm. and like my bit like you know in terms of venue and in terms of you know scale I guess in every kind of sense it was the biggest one I've done so far the one I was the most nervous for um, so like, like you know a part of me wants to be like you know oh, that was my favourite gig but like there was so much if those gigs you know mm-hmm. keep coming up you know I think I need to learn to um, control like because you know nerves is one thing but you, it's the lead up that's the hard bit so you know there's so much to think about so much going through in your mm-hmm. heads that you know everyone's saying you know oh like you're enjoying yourself blah blah and it's that point that I kind of zone out because the scale was so big and yeah. I was like you know I just want to I want to enjoy it I want to enjoy it and just kept like you know repeating that in my head and then I got up and like it was almost as if I closed my eyes for 30 minutes and I came off stage and everyone was like you know like did you enjoy it and like I can't remember it because it's just like yeah. such adrenaline and um, you know there was people you know I, I do remember looking at, at one point and um seeing you know like you know familiar faces and mm-hmm. then there was people who I didn't know and I was kind of like you know this this is amazing um, and I was like how often do you get the chance to pr- perform on such a you know a huge stage and you know at a festival like this you know oh, I was like absolutely. this is like 16 year old Tim would have loved this so <laughs> I was like you know snap out of it um, so, and you know a lot of the pr- like you know a lot of the focus was on me but then on the flip side just the gig that I had there in London which was in like the old Blue Last which mm-hmm. is like a really nice you know venue um, that was like sold out in like a small intimate room and like you know the crowd was super like receptive and you know I could see everyone and people were like you know so close together that I was able to and I, you know I, I wasn't the main act I was just like you know supporting mm-hmm. so you know a little, <laughs> it's kind of a bit like mean but like you know the focus was off me so you know I can like relax a bit more yeah. and I can you know enjoy it you, you know like figure out like you know stage things and like you know and mm-hmm. you know get to like you know fully control your set and be in charge and like not let the whole adrenaline take over that you like zone out yeah. so um i'd say in terms of like for myself i think the london one was a super kind of turning po- turning mm-hmm. point and i really enjoyed that but then on the other side the electric picnic one was in terms of like you know career and like you oh know, absolutely um, 
progression. They're so different too. Like, they are, and like you know, one was fun, and one was like you know, this is a big milestone. Mm-hmm. And like, but obviously, with huge, was, with huge yeah. milestones, there comes like you know, pressure, and there comes like you know, the the need to want to be the best. You know, yeah, definitely. Whereas London, was just like just enjoy. And before we leave, Tim's gonna do uh, his new single, perform his new single, um, Dreamer. a great person to tour with she's she's really nice and and um the whole tour was really well put together and we did two dates in dublin as well in the olympia which that theater is incredible yeah yeah So we're here now with Anya and Ashling, and they're going to be talking to us about the 8 by 8 Festival. So thank you for coming on the show, first of all. Great. Thanks, Thanks for, for having us. us. Uh, so I suppose we're <laughs> to get into this, uh, this year's festival. Uh, for listeners who might not be super familiar with the festival, like first years or whatever, never experienced it, what is it, basically? Um, so it's a festival that happens every year um, across, I think, is it eight different College campuses, colleges, yeah, all across the country. Yeah, so basically, um, over the summer, we were working with um, other students from across Ireland to, to like put this together, and it's done with SUS. Um, there's actually a SUS society in DCU, but it's like an organisation, a charitable organisation as well, and um, so and it's funded by Irish Aid. Just need to get all that in there. <laughs> um, but basically, it's um, to raise awareness, and usually over, on a different topic each year. This year, it is on the refugee crisis, direct provision. And sort of the things that Irish students, it's to kind of raise awareness among Irish students, but also to show like what we can do. Um, so we, some of you might have seen there is a, um, a photo exhibition outside the Henry Grattan building at the minute, which is actually really interesting. If you have a chance, do stop and have a look at it. But um, it's all sort of photos from kind of frontline refugee crisis areas, the likes of... Um, camps such as like Calais and um, Zathory in Jordan that's the one um, and just different areas where that have been really heavily affected 
Um, and then, you know, we've had events on all week as well. But So that's basically every year there's the photo exhibition and that's the focal point. And then each campus has its own events in the week. So like it's a different week in each campus. And um, we have our own events then as well. I don't know if you're going to ask me about them <laughs> in a little bit or should I, should I continue talking or what? We'll leave it there. Yeah. Do you have any main aims from talking about the refugees? Is there any main aims? Like, do you want us to learn anything from or take anything from it in particular? Well, there's a couple of different things that we're doing throughout the week. Um, one of our events that we held was uh, to raise... Um, raise uh, awareness uh, specifically about direct provision. So a lot of people don't know, but direct provision was meant to be immediately just an emergency thing. People were only meant to spend six months in direct provision before they became, you know, part of the Irish society. Instead, people are spending years in this, and it's preventing a lot of uh, refugee children from uh, progressing with their education. So that was one thing that we really wanted to raise awareness, and we thought that was particularly poignant on a college campus, that there's a lot of uh, girls and boys that cannot progress with their education, whether or not they get their leaving cert points or anything like that. They are obliged to pay full fees and cannot afford to do that, obviously. And then that's where their education stops. So that was one thing that we really wanted to raise awareness of. Mm-hmm. Um, additionally, and this, it was kind of another sort of main aim we had um, for the whole for the whole festival, from Seuss especially, was to sort of debunk myths about uh, refugees and to show, like, to really humanise the situation. To show these aren't just all these sort of uh, random faceless people um, who've, you know, who are always refugees. These are people who, you know, who were parents, who were who had families, who were doctors, nurses, who worked in businesses. You know, these were all people who went to college, who, you know, people who had full lives back yeah. in their homes, um, people just like us who now suddenly have nowhere to live um, who are, have, been, have, to, have been forced to leave their homes. Like, If you look at the photo exhibition, it actually kind of goes through the story. So there's 12 photos in total, but there's kind of four, four, four and four, and they look at kind of people as they live their life before they were forced to flee, those while they're fleeing, kind of indirect provision, and then finally the contribution that these people can make to society when they're able to be integrated as a whole and they can make that a great contribution. I think one of the myths maybe that people feel is maybe that they're sponging off the state. That's not the case. These people aren't able to work. They desperately want to work. They want to be able to contribute to society. And that's one of the things, uh, myths that we address. We show that um, the impact that they can have and the the different kind of... What's the word? My mind has gone blank. <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> Um, I suppose, why do you both think that this theme was chosen now? Like, it's all over the news, we see a lot about the refugee crisis, but why do you think now they've decided to do this theme? Because refugees, it obviously isn't a new thing, I mean, there's always been refugees, so yeah, why now? I think it's just, it's really prevalent at the minute, as you said, it's absolutely everywhere, and I can't remember the exact um, fact, but there's more people displaced now than there has been anywhere in the world since World War Two. Yeah. Um, it's actually very scary at the moment how many people are fleeing from their homes because they literally can't. We were watching. Um, so on Monday evening, we had a a screening of the film Salam Neighbor, which is sort of a documentary film, which is filmed in the Zatari camp in Jordan. Um, and basically there was a man there and he was like, before the bombing started in Syria, I said that I would absolutely never leave my home that this was where I was and no one could force me out. And then he said the bombing started and he feared for his family and he had to leave. He left the next day. Like, mm. I mean, I, I just think that it's so much everywhere at the moment that it is so important that more people more people are aware and that more aware that just... I think as well, because the crisis is getting bigger, people tend to just put numbers on it. And I think we want to put a 
kind of people mm. with the face to it as well. Yeah. You know, we kind of wanted to make it more personal, more accessible for people when they're actually kind of getting involved in it. Whereas today, maybe you're just hearing statistics in the news or in the media, and we kind of just wanted to put it kind of back to the individual as opposed to just kind of giant numbers that people hear as it's becoming more and more of a crisis. We wanted to make it kind of more. Come in. And 2017 is well and truly underway. The Boydgosh Energy Theatre is showing no signs of stopping. With a full list of the remarkable lineup available online, here's my list of the ones that certainly cannot be missed. As a musical fan, seeing the poster for the hit show Evita can bring so much excitement. This musical, that featured Madonna as the leading lady in the 1996 film adaption, will be on Irish soil from the 6th to the 17th of June. This is only the first of the musical classics, as Hairspray and Greece will follow suit with the wanted Tom Parker playing the lead, Danny Zuko. If you're not interested in musicals, there's a solution, in the premiere production of Not Dead Enough by best-selling author Peter James. Its official biography gives a sneak peek into the storyline, saying, On the night Brian Bishop murdered his wife, he was 60 miles away asleep in bed. At least that's what he claims. But as Detective Superintendent Roy Grace continues to deal with the mysterious disappearance of his own wife, he starts to dig a little deeper into the chilling murder case and it soon becomes clear that love can be a dangerous thing. This stars DCU's very own Laura Whitmore from the 18th to the 22nd of April. Laughs and unique stories will be shared in the theatre on Sunday the 28th of May with The Night with John Cleese. This one night show will see the comedic actor discuss Monty Python, liberal politics and everything in between that's likely to leave the audience wanting more. Red Roses and Rabbit Holes will be centre stage from the 19th to the 24th of June, with One Day Down the Musical taking over the board gosh. Starring West End and TV star Wendy Peters, this musical extravaganza is likely to have sets and costumes to die for, and a night filled with family-friendly entertainment that should not be missed. And if drama and dancing isn't your cup of tea, there's still plenty to choose from, with the Cranberries playing One Night Only on the 18th of May, and Imelda May performing live from the 29th to the 31st of May. This intimate venue will ensure the best experience possible for any audience member, as any seat is a good one. This is only a select list of the many amazing productions that will be going on in the theatre this year, so keep an eye on the website at boardgoshenergytheatre.ie for the key dates and prices to any show that will be going on. And if the board gosh is too far away to venture, there's plenty of shows going on in the Helix here on campus. So the DCU Fashion Show is one of Ireland's biggest student fashion shows and it's ran entirely by the students of DCU Style Society. Soraya, the head stylist, and Beth, one of the main models, are here with me today to talk about this year's show. So, Soraya, can you tell us a bit about the theme? Yeah, so basically the theme is evolution of style. So the first half of the show is going to be really like traditional and kind of old-fashioned styling. And then they will obviously have the interview. And then the second half of the show is going to be more futuristic and more like have more metallics going on and stuff like that. So yeah, give more of a futuristic vibe. And Beth, do you think it's important that they have high street kind of 
budget shops that students will be able to afford in the fashion shop. Definitely, because I feel like it is free promotion for all the shops that are involved and they do give their clothes for free and they don't make a profit or anything from it. So to have like the the audience full of students, obviously it's great to kind of for them to see, you know, stuff that's styled for them and they like it's very obvious like, where you know, where the shops are, where they're from, um, and it's easy for them to go and buy the looks then. to the debate 100% I'm always ready okay cool born ready so let's begin what are your first opinions on I suppose the topic of the day well I think the topic needs to be defined and art needs to be defined before we actually discuss it sorry that was Um, me it's fine art as a whole consists of many formats uh, paintings street art movements in this case uh, rallies um, anything that furthers the cause an opinion anything that expresses an opinion is art in my opinion yeah, yeah, no, I, I'm at the same point, but I, I think today was um, w- was definitely very important. I mean, you're on about re- repealing a part of the constitution, but I think the art side to it is kind of um, look from my personal opinion. I, I see the repeal signs all over the city. I think it's very good, you know, when you're where you're pushing a certain point of a campaign is very very good idea, but. There's, you know, there's a happy medium. I've heard people saying literally they're sick of this. They're sick of the, the dark T-shirts that they're wearing. Mm. It can kind of in some way come across as disturbing. Personally, I don't find it disturbing, but I'm just thinking in some cases, some kinds of art can alienate some groups of people. It's such a contentious issue that when it comes to art, I think you have to be very sensitive to the kind of art that you're actually using to present such an issue like this. <laughs> 